Welcome to the Five Star Joshi Show here on the Fight Game Media Network. And I have a very special treat for all of you as this week is the annual stardom guide slash catch up slash I'm here to help you understand what stardom's all about show uh, one month later than usual because I, I wanted to kind of wait and see what stardom was all about. But with me this time, unlike last time, because I have a loan last year is none other than my good friend trent trent how are we today i was doing really well because i thought the special treat that you mentioned was the fact that i was on this show again um but then i promptly realized it's not about me it's about the content of this episode so yeah you've been on my ego between my legs and accept that i'm just here uh to give you a friend to chat to which is cool as well yeah, I, I like chatting with someone because it's good to get two perspectives, especially on the world of stardom. Mm-hmm. This is a little unique for you and me, of course, because usually we're on here reviewing something or reviewing something. <laughs> it's almost always reviewing um, or, you know, with our podcast, Stardom Road, it's a little bit of everything. But this is our chance to talk about the current world of stardom. And mm-hmm. all that's happening because I know a lot of people are trying to get into this promotion and with all-star grand queendom coming up and a potential Mercedes Monet appearance, a lot more people will be wanting to check that show out. So sit back, relax, and let us guide you through the world of stardom. Uh, we'll, we'll start at the top. Uh, very simple here. Uh, Trent, what makes you watch Stardom? Like, what what is it about you that that it, it, not maybe when you started, but you know, continue to go, continue mm. to watch this company? I, I mean, the simple answer is it's the wrestling that speaks to me most right now. Mm. You know, I came into Japanese wrestling through New Japan Pro Wrestling, and that's kind of what hooked me initially. But in the past couple of years, um, I've found myself drawn more and more to the stardom style of wrestling, both the shows they put on, the matches that they have. And so that kind of overtook as the promotion that I go to. It was never my intention. Like, I didn't pick it to be like, oh, you know, support the women. I picked it because, hey, this wrestling is bloody amazing. It just so happens to be a women's promotion, which is even better, you know, to kind of, uh, shed a light when with what we do, uh, doing podcasts and writing and all of that, to shine a light on a promotion like this. Um, but I didn't do it for any altruistic reasons. I it's just this is the sh- the wrestlers that caught my eye and the matches that caught my eye, which is really the way you should go about it. What what entertains you as a wrestling fan? If this is what does it, brilliant. Go and watch it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sum it up. My my best way of saying it up it's it's the best wrestling in the world right now and it has been that way for the past couple of years you know uh japan obviously took a hit big time when there was no cheering allowed and you could just do clap crowds and there was no one on the level of star now you're seeing other promotions try to catch up uh with cheering back in the mix of course mm. new japan has is red hot all of a sudden but uh to me it's still stardom's house in terms of what's most entertaining when you have a big show coming up um and as we build to that all-star grand queendom pretty much the reason i thought to get this out now is because of course like i said uh 
potential Mercedes Monet appearance. I'm sure, I know for a fact that will bring a lot of people's attention, mm-hmm. um, as we saw at Wrestle Kingdom. So, like I said, best wrestling in the world. And New Japan like to say a lot of people new follow New Japan like to say they're back. Well, Stardom never left. Yeah, you know, for the past two three years, they've been delivering. The pandemic yeah. didn't slow them down somehow. If anything, it just kind of highlighted how good the product was that it didn't need the crowd to be as loud as they were. And now the crowd can cheer again. It's just highlighting how popular these women are. Yeah, they. No, no promotion in the world, in the world, not just Japan, grew as much as Stardom did through Mm. the pandemic. Like their numbers equal over 200% in pretty much every metric you could find. Um, And it's been, it's been a blast to see, but I know as someone who got into Stardom, it's a promotion you need a lot of help trying to figure out because there's a lot of moving parts Mm. at all times, as is any wrestling promotion or let me say any top wrestling promotion. There's a lot of factions, a lot of titles, a lot of stories, and a lot of great matches get you caught up. So we are going to pinpoint a little bit of everything today for you. And we're going to start with the most basic of places, the factions. The factions are the lifeblood of stardom in many ways. Uh, they, you know, we have five main factions, obviously on the main roster are the the roster here there's no main and developmental roster but my point is they have a main roster and now they work with outside groups yeah. uh which have really taken a big part of stardom these days so we're yeah. gonna highlight the the ones who are around all the time now because i think that's best we don't know where certain wrestlers will be in a month's time we don't know where but there are groups that are not only here to stay, but a very key part of stardom. We're going to start at the very top here when it comes to factions. Why don't we start with one of the originals? We'll start with stars, of course, led by none other than the icon, Mayu Iwatani. Uh, and the rest of the group is as follows. Saeeda, future ace Hanan, who we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, of course, Koguma, who returned in 2021. Hazuki, who also returned in 2021, and Momo Kogo, who joined last year. Uh, I think for a lot of people, when you start to get into stardom, or once you finally do get into stardom, this is the easiest group to attach yourself to if you're looking for a little bit of everything. If you're looking for not only great wrestling, but that friendly, exciting side, that kind of family-like side, this is the one that I think a lot of people connect to in the end. Yeah, look, these are not not to. It sounds like I'm going to diss them here, but they're the generic faces in a lot of way. Like they're the easiest people to get to know character wise. They're very much what you see on the surface is what you get. Obviously, the characters do grow a bit over time, and there's a bit more under the surface. But when you're first joining in at the first place, what you need to know is very apparent in their presentation, in the way they carry themselves. They're fun. They don't take themselves too seriously. You've got a good mix of top end talent in Maya Watani and Hazuki, up and coming talent like Hanan, and then those kind of lower, maybe lower mid-card wrestlers that you kind of, people like to get behind. Saeeda is a classic example, someone that maybe isn't going to win every match or any match as it feels like sometimes, but you can't help but want to see them succeed and cheer for them and support them. And that's 
what you need in kind of a, a starting promotion, uh, a starting faction when you're getting into a promotion? And I think, obviously, Mayu Yutani will be the name that I think, if if you're just getting into stardom, she'll be the mm. name that you know most. Um, so that also helps, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on here. Let's talk about the group that I think if you've seen anything from stardom, you've probably seen this really cool looking trio. Uh, they all wear these really cool, you know, jacket robes. Um, they're quite flashy. And that is of course, Queens quest originally started by none other than EO Shirai. Mm-hmm. Um, now the EO sky WWE, the leader of course is Utami Hayashishida after, uh, becoming the leader last year. Uh, that's part of, I guess that's one of the bigger story points. That's about all you need to know. She became, the leader. <laughs> she also feels like the leader. So it's not big shock. You have mm-hmm. Azumi, who of course is the longest, uh, reigning or longest tenured uh, competitor. She might not be the leader, but she's the one who's really pulling the strings backstage. Oh, yeah. She's also 20 years old, so there you go. Um, You have Saya Kamatani, who we will, of course, have to talk about later. Um, Hina, Lady C, and um, Stardom's no longer most recent trainee, Miyu (laughs) Amasaki. Uh, that is that is that group. They they are an interesting group because they're, they're kind of tweeners, more mm. leaning on that babyface side now these days. Uh, but when it comes to you know, if you're looking for a trio to really attach yourselves to, it's hard to get much better than the Utami Azumi Saya trio. Arguably the strongest uh, top three in any of these factions uh very hard to walk past them they yeah I, they do definitely lean face more so now um when they first started they were heels turning into tweeners and just kind of evolved into that face position they're a little bit more stoic than stars like if you compare stars to kind of your idol group these are kind of the cool kids who sit at the back of the bus and kind of maybe judge from afar but when you get to know them they're actually good people yeah <laughs> yeah you sure do and i think and i think with them a lot of people will also attach themselves to them because of how cool they are uh, mm. there are you know every faction i think has a reason to connect to yeah, yeah. uh but we'll move ahead here uh the long reigning heel faction of the company Awaito Tai, led by Natsuko Tora or Saki Kashima, depending on the day and uh, <laughs> who you're asking. Uh, you also have Rina, Ruaka, Fukigen Death, and of course, the pretty much the two stars of the group. No offense mm. to the rest of the crew Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe. They are also the newest uh, members of the group. So there you go. But a way to tie that is your heel faction. Uh, they're not. It, to try to give comparisons they cheat but they don't cheat to lose anymore they cheat to win they used to cheat yeah to lose. for a while there they're just like oh we're sick of having this match so we're just gonna use a steel chair or a chain or a pipe um but now they do try and win the match i think it's important to mention if you're coming into stardom and you're from say the american system where you've got very clearly defined you are a good person or you're a bad person 
stardom especially like 90 percent of their roster will move left to right face to heel on a spectrum it's not necessarily hard to find someone like Maya Watani is a clear-cut face but can be a bit heelish against certain wrestlers Oedo Tai are the closest thing to a straight-up heel group um, but even saying that, like, so like Kid is one of the most popular wrestlers on this uh, in this promotion, face or heel. So even though she's quite unquote bad, uh, she's still very popular. Yeah, she's if she's not the most popular, she's pretty damn close. Yeah. Uh, we'll move ahead to at one time the no question coolest faction in stardom now they they they've had a tough cu- uh past year or so um, leading wrestlers despite their uh top member of course their leader being the world champion mm. it's been a tough road the past year uh the last time i did this <laughs> this faction had eight people now we're going to be <laughs> down to four in yes. a few months uh but donna del mondo uh a, a fan favorite have been or least favorite you know some people didn't like ddm when they uh came in to mm. and they specifically didn't like the leader which is of course julia the reigning world of stardom champion uh she has led them ddm has changed a lot but the one one of the constants of course have been julia uh from the very beginning you have micah another constant from the beginning a part of that original trio you have Hameka, who we will be talking about later, which will not, unfortunately, be uh, lasting much longer. You have Tekla, the Toxic Spider, who joined last year as well. And then you have Mai Sakurai, who switched from the Cosmic Angels to DDM. And that makes up your group. They're still a strong group, but last time I, like I said, the last time I did this, they were the strongest faction you might have ever seen. So yeah, that, that, they've had a, a rough year. Um, the one wrestler they did gain, you know, was my Sakurai, and I don't think it was worth the trade off of Natsupoi and now Himika, not to mention Shuri and Mariah leaving earlier in the year last year. Um, mind you, like we're recording this now at the moment, they're currently courting a new member, Lady C. Uh, I think my Sakura is probably pushing this because she doesn't want to be the designated pin taker in this faction. <laughs> and if they can get Lady C, turn her into Lady D, then uh, she might get to be second from the bottom. Internationally, I think I could call this the most popular faction in terms of international fans, and that is the Cosmic Angels, led by none other than Tam Nakano, the storyteller. You know, Tam Nakano, I think I should have an entire section about um, in this podcast, which I will. I'll, I'll bring her up later because she is <laughs> uh, she's an interesting one to follow. But you have Tam Nakano, you have the number two Mina Shirakawa, which wig wig nudge nudge. We'll see how that goes. Um, based off the Stardom website, you of course have Unagi Sayaka, one of the original trio. She she's still is, on the list. She is. She's still on the list. Uh, she is currently more a freelance wrestler but she does at times make appearance uh appearances in stardom she is coming to america as well if you want mm. to uh see her in the queen of the indies tournament. she still considers herself cosmic angels yes she says she's cosmic angels for life you know like the nwl or bowl club congratulations i uh, have wakasukiyama of course we'll get into her later because she mm. has a very interesting story and you have 
Natsupoi. Natsupoi, one of the more underrated talents, not only in stardom, but I think professional wrestling. Um, she is someone to keep a close eye on as mm-hmm. time goes on, and we'll talk about her later as well. And by extension, this is the interesting part. There are two extensions, actually, with the, the most game. confusing faction in stardom. Yes, yeah, so so put your put your caps on, get ready for this. So there is the uh freelance group called Colors. They are cosmic angels by association slash still colors, but also not colors. They lost the match, so they said, okay, you own us now, but we're still gonna be colors. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um the the group of colors is led by none other than Saki. Um, and then the members that are with her are Rina Amikura, Yuko Sakurai, and Hikari Shimizu. So worth keeping tabs on them. And then on the other side, before we break down those two, is Club Venus, Mina Shirakawa's um, mini group that you know could eventually break off. And I say could because the reason Cosmic Angels exist is because Tan Nakano did the exact same thing. So... It wouldn't be too shocking. That is Mina Shirakawa, Mariah May, and Zaya Brookside as of this recording. So there you go. Yeah, this group is, I mean, they won the Tokyo Sports Most Popular Faction. Uh, If you are looking at which wrestlers bring in the most merch money, it's like the top five members. Four of them are probably Cosmic Angels members. Incredibly popular. A little bit confusing with the different sub-factions, but I think, like, Club Venus is sort of a bit more separate. Um, we don't know what's going to become of that um, long-term because, obviously, Mina Shirakawa is the only full-time member there. Mariah May is making herself more and more comfortable in stardom, uh, but it could end up just kind of being, like, for a while, stardom had the world elite group, which were just kind of like any foreigner that came to stardom that wasn't assigned to, say, a Wedo Tai would join this group. That could be Club Venus moving forward, or they could come to be a bit more defined. Um, in terms of colours, uh, get to know Saki because she's, even though she's not technically stardom, she's at every show. She seems mm-hmm. to find her way onto every uh, stardom in showcase or every tournament they're having. So even though she's not classified as stardom, get to know her because you will see her face a lot. But yeah, if you know Cosmic Angels, you probably know Tam Nakano, Natsupoi, and Mina Shirakawa first and foremost. Next up is the newest official faction in the world of stardom, and that is, of course, God's Eye, led by none other than Shuri. You know, if you've heard about stardom, if you've read anything about stardom the past two years, I'm pretty confident you've heard Shuri's name. Uh, she leads the group, followed by number two in command, Mirai, who we will kind of go into full conversation about again later on in the story section of this podcast because she is someone to be following as this year goes on you have ami saray the reigning future of stardom champion you have just tap outs tomoka inaba though that could always change it seems like her (laughs) title could be uh Drop soon enough as they're teasing her match with Aoi, who comes in and out of stardom. We haven't seen her in a while, unfortunately, but I'm sure we'll see her again sometime. And you have Nana- Nanami. Is it Nanami? Yeah, Nanami. Yeah, she, she's not around too much. She's only on the New Blood shows, but she is part of 
this group. So uh, she's teaming with Ami Sere in the New Blood Tag Team Tournament. So that's where you'll see her a yeah. lot. Uh, but this group, uh, specifically the big trio, Shuri, Mirai, and Ami, that's the main trio you need to know. But uh, I'd say keep tabs on Tomoka as she is someone that they're clearly um, protecting in a lot of ways. She is someone that's going to be a special player in the world of Joshi. Um, she already is, but mm. she's going to be making a uh, big, big impact, I think, within the next year or two. So that is God's eye. Yeah, she's in a prime position to sort of really establish herself. She's one of quite a few wrestlers kind of in that young, coming out of teenagehood, a couple of years outside of that, that have, you know, very high potential, very high ceiling. Um, and there's a lot of reasons to get behind them because you'll probably be hearing their name a lot in the future. And perfect pairing having her learning under Shuri, um, like a mirror image of what could be. Yeah, it, it was... It was the uh, pairing I always wanted, and they mm-hmm. went with it. So I appreciate that. Now, we break off into the factions that aren't official members of the Stardom roster, but they are very important, starting with none other than the reigning Artist of Stardom champions, Prominence. They came into our lives early last year and have not left the Stardom world. They've been in and out, of course, but their mainstays now. That, of course, starts with the leader, Risa Sarah. Risa Sarah is, of course, uh, if you've ever heard of Ice Ribbon, she has made an impact there. She had a great match with Shuri for the World of Stardom title. And, of course, you have Suzu Suzuki, a fan favorite of many worldwide. Uh, She is, I'd say she's their ace of the group. I think that's the best thing to call her. Also a 20-year-old prodigy, so. There you go. You have Kurumi Haragi, one-third, and the powerhouse of the group. And you have two names who don't appear as much, but they have in stardom, and that is Akane Fujita, as well as Mochi Natsumi. Yeah, um, the, the main three, the main trio is the ones you want to be worried about right now. They're the ones who appear the most. Akane Fujita kind of popped up a little bit when Kurumi was still injured, uh, when prominence as a because Prominence are a deathmatch uh, troupe, freelance crew. They run their own shows about once a month. And you know, when they don't want to be you know, using light tubes, they might come to Stardom and have a bit of fun there. And like, Yes, they're not technically a part of Stardom, but they've been connected for a full year. They're champions. And you, know, you want to get to know these guys, even if they're not technically part of Stardom. Yeah, they'll become some of your favorites very quickly. I can, mm. I can assure you that. Uh, newest group to join the world of stardom is none other than Rebel and Enemy, uh, which is led by none other than Maya Yukihi, one of the more talented freelance wrestlers in Joshi. You have Ram Kaichao, who is a staple, who has become a staple on mm. the stardom and showcase shows, which we'll highlight later on. And you have Micah Ozaki as well. Yeah, this trio as a faction came into being through the Triangle Derby Trios Tournament. So they're relatively new in terms of, like, especially with stardom. Um, I don't know how long-term they're going to be. Like, Maya Yuhiki is obviously eyeing off. Well, not she's not eyeing off the World of Stardom Championship. She's being forced to eye the championship. So it's very possible that they'll stay connected in some way, shape, or form. Very important to know about. 
just in terms of like, you know, these random wrestlers that you won't see on the stardom roster get good to know, and especially Ram Kai Chow. Whether it's New Blood, whether it's Stardom in Showcase, you will see her very distinctive face. Now, the next and final faction is one that does stay around and will not be going anywhere anytime soon, it feels like. And that is none other than the Neo Stardom Army, uh, unofficially led by 7-Up, Nanai Takahashi, and Yu. They are also the reigning Goddess of Stardom champions, and they've been a breath of fresh air, I think, to this tag team division, despite people not really wanting to believe in them right off the bat. They've been great, <laughs> and they are joined by Yuna Mizumori, formerly of Gato Move. Alpha Female was part of this group, but it seems like it is these three from here on out. Yeah, she kind of came in to announce them, um, but you got the impression she was only there for a cup of coffee um, just to sort of establish the IWGP Women's Championship in a lot of ways. So this is the core trio, whether they'll add to that or not in the future remains to be seen, but uh, especially like all three of these wrestlers are making themselves very comfortable in stardom. Um, Nanai Takahashi was there at the very beginning, you know, the first ever World of Stardom champion. And uh, Yuna Mizumori, I think, is someone that is looking to become a long-term member of stardom, whether um, this particular group stays around or not. But in, I think it's important to mention, like, if you are jumping into stardom, you know, you're relatively new, you're mostly used to the American scene. The reason why we're focusing on the faction straight off the bat is because the faction system is very important. Uh, you, you don't survive in stardom without friends. You have to have people watching your back. And, yeah, it's a, it's a very easy way to not only bring certain wrestlers into relevance because they're surrounded by the top names, but I think it also helps for people getting into the company early on. Like, it gives you core stereotypes to kind of ease you into finding your favourites. Do you like the stoic, cool badasses? You go to Queen's Quest. If you like the people breaking the rules, you can go to Oedo Tai. If you like the cute aesthetic, you can go to Cosmic Angels. It, it makes it very easy to find your favourites early on. And if you like a little bit of everything, Stars is always there for you, mm. as I like to say. God's Eye, too. They're, God's Eye and DDM, they bring a little more of that heelish, badass side, while Stars brings the Cosmic Angels and you know badass side at the same time. Thank you, yeah. Hazuki, for bringing that. Um <laughs> Now, I think it's best to move on here to the titles because the mm. titles are very important in stardom. When I say important, I mean they make up the majority of what to follow in this mm -hmm. promotion. They are the lifeblood in many ways. They are important to not only the pay-per-views, but to pretty much just the legacy of these wrestlers that we are talking about here today and the legacy of some that you already may know, which comes in the form of the likes of an Io Shirai, a Kairi, a Mayu Yutani, and so on and so forth. Very important. Um, and we'll start at the very top. World of Stardom Championship. That is your uh, classic world title. Uh, of course, held by none other than Julia, someone who has strived to get that since the moment she walked into the company. Uh, the World of Storm Championship has a very prestigious lineage, especially the past couple champions, starting with Mayu Iwatani, uh, followed by Utami Hayashida's year-long reign, Shuri's year-long reign, and now Julia sitting here at the top. Um, 
you know, Io Shirai has multiple reigns with this title. Uh, Nanai Takahashi, like you said, was the first champion uh, to hold this title. Someone like a Bia Priestley has held this title. Legends like Kagetsu, uh, you know, it it has a little bit of everyone in its history, and uh, it is the title that I think a lot of people um, connect to off the bat because it's the simplest to do so. It is the world mm. title. It's easy to understand, and it often, at least for the past couple of years, has given you some of the best matches, not only in stardom, but in stardom's history. Yeah, it, it's easy to get a little confused with stardom's championship belt situation um, just because of the way certain belts are presented and, you know, the, the prestige of certain belts. This is the by far and simplest way to say it. This is the quote-unquote top belt in terms yeah. of in-ring competition. It's kind of the one propped up as the world championship. Um, to make it simple, Stardom do colour code their belts. The World of Stardom Championship is the red belt and you will see it referred to not only amongst fans but the wrestlers themselves as the red belt. Yeah, it, they make it pretty easy for you. Mm. Uh, next up is maybe one of the most complicated belts in wrestling yes. in the fact <laughs> that it's not complicated because it's a bad thing. It's complicated because of how special it is and the, and the the importance it carries in a lot of ways. So that is the wonder of stardom championship. This isn't your ordinary mid-card belt it's not a mid-card belt at all really it's actually a belt that's just a hair below the world of stardom championship it would be a world title pretty much in any other country country mm. and that's true it would be a world title in any other country uh the way it's handled the way it's cared for uh you don't really see that with a second belt but that is what the wonder of stardom championship is if you look at the world of stardom championship that's your you know, big world title match, big main event type match. The wonder is that, but so much more. It is your storytelling. It is your, uh, the passion side of thing. It is, is the reason Tam Nakano exists in pro wrestling. Uh, <laughs> truthfully, it is everything and more. It is, you know, from its very beginnings with Yuzuki Akawa, who set a precedent with that belt, hmm. all the way to the current champion, Saya Kamatani, who has, I think, put her own spin on it. Um, every champion, for the most part, has put their own spin on it, which is very unique from a world title, uh, right? Every Every reign has a meaning to it. Like I said, Tam Nakano's reign, it was all about the story, and it was all about, you know, these personal, emotional battles. With Sayakamitani, it has been more about almost that main event style, but also chasing a record, which, of course, she now has. She has the most successful defenses with that belt. So if you're joining in now, you might be coming into it with the end drawing near. Uh, but it is a very special belt. It's one. It's my favorite championship in wrestling today uh, because of what it means. And it gives opportunities to people who aren't in the main event yet or maybe never will be to not only get a belt but show that they have that level in them. Yeah, it is difficult to explain where this belt sits on the pecking order because the, the World of Stardom Championship is the top 
championship by most metrics. Um, but you will see through Stardom's history that the white belt, the wonder of Stardom championship, has kind of taken precedence. It's main evented over the red belt. It's had the more the interesting champions and stories. And yeah, it's not just on throwaway shows. It was on one of Stardom's biggest ever shows that the white belt main evented. Um, it just clarifying, yes. World Stardom Championship is the white belt. Um, the easiest way to look at it is the red belt, the World of Stardom Championship, is for your more technical wrestlers, and the white belt tends to be for your more emotion-driven wrestlers. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule, um, but it kind of gives you an idea for what to expect from the champions for the most part. And it's kind of how the belts have been presented and gives a reason for why these belts can be so close on the pecking order rather than being a world championship and an intercontinental championship. Yep. It's, it's the reason I think some people, you know, people are happy with their favorites getting either one at the Mm. end of the day. Now, some don't make that some, you know, some wrestlers need to have every belt, but uh, you, you'll see as we kind of talk through some stories here of how important this belt is uh, for some. Like I, I bring up Tam a lot because she kind of shows that side of the belt that, you know, maybe we haven't seen in the past year as much, but it is kind of the true emphasis behind a lot of the great runs with this title. Uh, so we move forward. The High Speed Championship. Very simple here, folks. It is the belt where... More often than not, you will see something you've never seen before. In the Sonic the Hedgehog Championship. Got to go fast. Yeah. If you like Lucha Libre, that's probably mm. your best bet. Yeah. Um, Azumi, who has been champion for a very long time now and will be champion by uh, at least the beginning of March where she faces her top rival, Starlight Kid. You know, those two have had one of the greatest high-speed title matches of all time. So to excite you a little bit. Uh, for the beginning of March. The high-speed championship, it has a very small division. It is only a few handful of wrestlers. Azumi, of course, the ace of that division. You have Starlight Kid, who is in and out of that division, I'd say, because mm. she's kind of becoming a you know wonder uh, title or potential title holder. You have Koguma, former high-speed champion herself. Um high-speed genius herself. You have Fukigen Death slash Kaori Oniyama slash Gokigen Death slash you get the point. Uh, Death. Yes. Uh, she comes in and out and she'll shock you. She A long time ago, you know, Kaori Oniyama was truly one of the best in Joshi. So uh, anytime we get to see her go in there and actually wrestle is a treat <laughs> um and you have natsupoi of course who is uh another former high speed okay everyone's a former high speed champion okay everyone in the v- division has had the belt but uh it's hard to get much better than azumi there isn't the time limit like a for example the new japan world tv title which I think a lot of people will compare this belt to because a lot of the time these matches do go less than 15 minutes, Mm. but there are times in the belt's history where it does go more towards the 30-minute time limit because you get a bigger match. But more often than not, you're getting a high-paced, high-speed, blink-and-you'll-miss-it type match, and it's always one of my favorite parts of the card. Yeah, these matches, like... 
to me, they're kind of like the cruiserweight matches on WCW. They're not necessarily going to main event a lot of shows. They're often there to kind of prop up the the start of a show or maybe the mid card. But when you get a high speed championship match, you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's the perfect way to kind of get in the zone and get in the mood for some good wrestling. Because when you've got a division with the types of Azumi, Starlight Kid, Natsupoi, uh, a veteran like. Kaori Yoniyama and all of her characters, like you have such a solid foundation there. And you get a lot of wrestlers from outside of uh, stardom coming through. This was kind of the belt that you saw outsiders coming in for more frequently before stardom started to really open the doors for everyone to come in, which offers some unique sort of matches. And, yeah, this is a championship. If you don't like the high-paced style, you like things to be slowed down a little bit, you probably won't be won over by this, but don't sleep on these matches. A, because you'll miss it because it goes with the eye, but B, because they are often standout matches on any show they're on. Next up is the Goddess of Stardom Championship. Oh, this Probably just, sorry, uh, worth mentioning too, this championship does have a very distinct look, especially compared to the rest of the stardom belts. Pretty much every stardom belt is a star, but this one, because it's a holdover from a previous promotion, is more of a traditional-shaped belt. Yes, it's also absolutely destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, learn, you'll learn that very quickly. Is it The belt is in tough shape, uh, but it is an important belt to the history nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Goddess of Stardom Championship, not much to go into here. It is your tag team titles. Yeah. Seven, um, seven up have, your champions. And I talk these have black you. straps, just if you're trying to differentiate them when wrestlers yep. are holding them. Um, these are the black strapped star belts. Um, don't sleep on the tag division. Like, you know, a lot of people maybe aren't completely sold on tag team wrestling. And Especially AEW is kind days. of... Yeah, AEW has changed that perception a little bit in America, um, but you get a lot of fantastic matches, and these belts are held in high regard. They're not; mm. they're obviously not on the level of the World of Stardom or the Wonder of Stardom Championship. But if you hold these belts, like they've main evented pay per views before, um, for yeah. the right set of circumstances, these will highlight stuff, and you get some really strong teams coming through. Sometimes throw together, sometimes established, but yeah, if you if you enjoy tag wrestling to any degree. You're going to enjoy these belts. Next up is maybe my favorite non-world title, non-whatever you want to call the wonder, uh, type belts in wrestling. And that is the Artists of Stardom titles. Uh, those are the trios belts. These are the only belts to me that come close to rivaling that of Dragon Gate's trios belts. You know, Dragon Gate is the... Uh, company for trios though AEW of course has put together some fine belts themselves with the elite at the top and you know death triangle and so on and so forth but these belts especially over the past year have really uh grown to become i think favorites for a lot of people especially mm. the matches that have been put on we actually have a match highlighted uh the current champions are prominence like we said risa sarah suzuki kurumi haragi uh we're coming off a great title reign by starlight kid momo watanabe and saki kashima and before that a great reign by mahime poi and a record reign before that from the cosmic angels so yes they, they've done a really great job at making these titles important over the past couple of years to the point where you see these titles on a pay-per-view and you get excited because more often than not, not only does the match deliver, it can be the show stealer. 
Yeah, I think it's very important to note that these belts, like, for years were kind of just there. You know, they didn't have a lot of story behind them. If you wanted someone to hold a championship but didn't really know what to do, you just chuck them the artist belts. Yeah. Um, you, you get one or two reigns, drop it. One or two reigns, drop it. Um, and then go back and forth. Like, it was just an easy way to pop a show with a ch- title change. The past year, year and a half, they've really started to make these belts uh, prestigious, valuable. There's no guarantee that just because you're a team, you'll win these belts. You actually have to earn them. Um, and it's made the division so much more interesting because you've had these top-tier teams making these uh, championship belts matter and just lifting the value of the any time an artist championship goes on. You, you're probably going to be in for a good time because even though Dragon Gate are the kings of the trios, uh, Stardom, who take a lot of inspiration from Dragon Gate, um, their wrestlers, a lot of them love Dragon Gate. Uh, yeah, they, they've really focused on making these belts matter. These are the multicolored belts. There's one orange, one pink, one blue, and it is very important who gets what colored belt. You have <laughs> to match with your attire. You will change your attire to match your belt. Um, it's it's kind of fun seeing certain wrestlers be like, I want the pink belt, or I want to wear the blue belt. And, yeah, it just adds a bit of fun to these championships. They're very specific with their preference, uh, mm. but they're, like I said, some of the best belts you'll find out there, especially after this past year, year and a half. Which belt would you have? Probably pick blue. Yeah. 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 I like the blue. Blue or pink? I'll go or- orange then. Orange doesn't go with me. I just, I can't, I <laughs> doesn't suit do your orange. skin tone. Yeah. Yeah. But I think blue would uh, be great personally. That's also the Mayu belt, so. Hmm. by default it makes it better uh the swa undisputed world title this belt is in flux we have no idea what's going it's on it's very disputed belt. right now yeah yeah it's very disputed but overall uh as we saw with it especially when shuri had it it can be a present uh a pleasant surprise to cards uh shuri from for my money is the greatest SWA champion ever, just because of what she did with that belt. Mm. Uh, you know, she's Shuri, so that helped. Um, <laughs> but she she made that belt matter, and right now it is vacant. As mm-hmm. we sit here, Mayu Yutani relinquished the belt after going for the IWGP Women's Title, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, so there's no there's no idea of what's next with this title. We have we have. No inkling, uh, but the basis of it is that it's it's a belt that favors international wrestlers. You can't mm. defend it against someone from the same country as yourself. It's why, you know, Shuri was great because she could, uh, because she yeah. wasn't, you know, she played she, the uh, Filipino heritage card. Yes, which was which made her reign all the better. Um, as, as you can tell, with more international stars coming in. Uh, more Asian wrestlers coming in, like a Mariah May, Zaya Brookside. Uh, the the title could open up a little bit. Um, of course, Tekla and you know Japanese wrestlers can win it as well. I'm not mm. saying that, but it does help to have challengers if a Japanese wrestler is holding it. So that is kind of the basis around it. Uh, it's a beautiful looking belt. If you're wondering, it's, it's the best just, looking belt on the Stardom roster. Oh. It's not a star. If anyone, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got a really nice design. It's just got an incredibly 
convoluted history because it was like it was designed around the SWA sort of group of promotions, which was the Stardom World Alliance. And they had groups from Mexico, uh, France, England, all coming together, Spain, um, to form this alliance. And this belt was going to kind of be like a, a travelling championship in a lot of ways. And they held a tournament in Spain for it. Uh, Io Shirai won it. And then it promptly got defended on like none of the other promotions that were actually involved in the alliance. That group kind of, it, it fell apart. Um yeah. And, yeah, it became a stardom belt that was traded back and forth between Japanese wrestlers and foreign wrestlers, which was great when you had a lot of long-term foreign wrestlers like Big Priestley, Jamie Hayter, Viper, Tony Storm. Uh, but now, yeah, ever since the pandemic, it struggled to kind of find an identity and a place on the show. It, and it's also tough because, like, you look at its history, the champions tend to be some of the best wrestlers in the promotion, but the belt itself is very much a mid-card level championship. Yeah. Um, so if they do bring it back, and we don't know for sure, but there's a chance, especially with more foreigners coming back into the stardom system, it'll be interesting to see just how they handle this championship. Yeah. Uh, the hope is obviously it's not gone because it does present a great opportunity for those talents that uh, come in especially and like you mm. said it's really just the best of the best that holds it's not a you know give it to anyone type belt so yeah. we'll have to wait and see but it, it you know could be gone could not be gone well we have no idea so maybe this was all for nothing but <laughs> it is what it is future of stardom championship pretty pretty simple people that mm. hold it are uh near rookies they're near rookies or they're very young wrestlers on the roster um currently the champion is ami saray mm-hmm. who is within her first three years yes of compet um of competitive it used to be you had to have less than two years experience and they bumped that up to three years uh, upon Saida's request, which I think is a smart move, bumping yeah. it up to three. Yeah, you either have to have less than three years experience or you have to be under 20 years old yes. uh, to challenge for this championship. Yeah, uh, the title, like I said, very simple. kind of highlights the future of this promotion, um, whether it just be lower card folks or eventually main cards of course mm. to me uh it, it's a pretty mm, it's an odd belt because you have someone like Tommy Hayashida has held it and obviously that's a big hello this is mm. going to be important you have someone like Hanan who held it and I think she has the best reign of that belt overall you have Ami Stray who's holding it now which is somewhat weird because she was already higher up the card much like an unagi sayaka and mia mm. shirakawa who both held the belt as well and then you have the likes of a saida who has held the belt so it, it it can go to really anyone but mostly most importantly it does highlight the future talents of stardom gives them a gives them a match on the card where they can highlight each other in singles matches it's not necessarily a prestigious belt but it's a very valuable belt behind the scenes because it gives these lower card wrestlers uh, something to fight for that has stakes without putting them to the wolves by giving them a, a main event matchup or a world championship. You know, you look at someone like Hanan who had her incredible long, you know, her reign did wonders for sort of building that strength inside of her and gave her a lot of matches where she had to do uh, a wrestle to a certain level. Um, and now that she's past that, 
she has that experience and that uh, ability to perform under pressure. So when they give her more chances in the next year or two, she's ready for it. So it's not necessary, but you're going to look at and go, oh, I can't wait to see what they do next with it. Um, but I think especially as the years go on, you're going to see why they implemented this championship beyond just, oh, another championship to put on a pay-per-view to make it feel more important. Yeah, every champion can't be hot on. I'll just tell no. you that now. Uh, next up is the New Blood Tag Team Titles. These are brand new belts. We have not seen a champion crowned yet, but it was worth bringing them up. They're currently doing a tournament uh, on the New Blood brand, which we, of course, will talk about in a little bit as well. Um, it'll be, it seemingly will be the titles featured on those shows moving forward. Mm. I don't expect it to really leak too much into regular stardom shows, uh, but they're tag titles for the newer talent of not only stardom, but the Joshi scene. Yeah, well, it's, you know, we haven't seen these belts in action yet. We've just seen the tournament to kind of pre- pre- prepare for it and, you know, introduce who we're going to be challenging for it what value these have moving forward, what we can expect from the matches remains to be seen, uh, but it will bring a little bit more interest to the New Blood branding, which outside of this and the future title can sometimes just be a bit of a developmental showcase show, which obviously has its value, has its interest, but this gives a little bit more stakes and gives people something to wrestle for on these shows as well, which is a good idea, I think. The final title to know is, of course, the IWGP Women's Championship, not stardom official. It's a stardom New Japan shared championship, Mm. Uh, yet the belt has never been defended in stardom, so (laughs) take that for what you will. Uh, Of course, the big match for this belt has, of course, happened between... Kyrie and Mercedes Monet at Battle in the Valley in San Francisco, California. Um, admittedly, we are recording this before, so I'm not going to say either or is champion, even though I do have a hunch that it will be Monet. Uh, but it's an important belt because, of course, any belt that has those letters of IWGP have a significance. Um, hopefully, by the time you hear this, We've had a match longer than six minutes <laughs> for a defense. Of course, we do date back to historic crossover, the main event uh, where Mayu Yutani and Kyrie at least put an exclamation point on mm. what this title can be. Um, and hopefully Kyrie and Mercedes Monet did the same in the semi main event of, sorry, the double main event of Battle in the Valley. I roll was there for both of us yeah. uh, but it, it is important belt nonetheless and uh i'm interested to see how it changes as the first year continues because you know we're still very fresh yeah we're still kind of in the honeymoon period for the championship obviously my versus Kyrie, you know a lot of attention for and it really delivered there's a lot of hype for Kyrie versus tam at wrestle kingdom but it, it suffered because yeah they had six minutes to wrestle um I don't expect that to be the norm for these New Japan shows, but I also don't expect historic crossover to be the norm for the belt moving forward either. So it'll be interesting to see where it kind of evolves and stuff, but given who is competing for it and given you know how 
even prestigious the belt looks, you know, tying back to the version two of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Um, there's definitely an intention to make it feel important. It just depends on what kind of uh, opportunities they get when the show actually starts. But, yeah, it, it's not just for anyone, this championship. It sure is not. Uh, like I said, we'll have to wait and see of what the real legacy for this belt will become. But the first three matches with this title um, have been Mayu Itani, Kyrie, Tam Nakano, and Mercedes Monet. So obviously, it's not going to be a cheap history. Uh, let's move forward now. Those are all your titles to know in the world of stardom. We move forward now to the stories to know because stories are what drive stardom in a very unique way. Their stories, though, aren't the stereotypical story of, say, the AEWs and the WWEs and stuff like that. Their stories are long-term. They a lot of attention to detail. You know, even with the promotions like TJPW, you kind of see the same thing in some ways is that these stories are something you need to be keeping your eyes on and understanding and following because in the end they become some of the best stories you'll see in pro wrestling. And that starts with none other than Julia's story. Of course, Julia joined stardom all the way back at the end of 2019. I know crazy how long it's been already. She's had many back in the before times. She's had many different hairdos since, uh, since then. Uh, but of course she, her main story was her road to the world of stardom championship. Um, instead of making you all sit here and listen to every little bit, which I've probably talked about in about a hundred podcasts and hundred articles by now, I will give you the, the cliff notes version, which is, you know, she came into stardom as the outsider wasn't seen as someone by even fans as someone that was liked. Uh, you know, her rivalry with Hana Kimura kind of introduced her to this company uh, she would go on to win the Cinderella tournament, ultimately win the Wonder Stardom Championship, not in the traditional way a Cinderella winner would win, you know, because Arisa Shiki had to relinquish the title and then she had to go through a tournament to win that. But you get it, she won the belt. Uh, moving forward, her rivalry with Tam Nakano would really uh, carry her through not only the rest of 2020 but into 2021 where they would meet in the main event of all star dream cinderella with the belt on the line the one uh the white belt to give you all the names for the belt uh in a hair versus hair match julia would not only lose but she'd watch her head get shaved bald and she'd be set to restart pretty much all over again uh, she would not only have she would not only pull off the bald look as you know GI Julia and be like one of the coolest people in wrestling all over again in her many ways that she has, but she would take a back seat in a lot of ways to Shuri, who came storming onto the scene uh, a little bit afterwards. They were tag team champions together as ALK. Uh, Shuri, of course, would have the match with Tommy Hayashida, and with that. The rest is history. Uh, Julia would continue. She'd get into the five-star Grand Prix, a five-star Grand Prix that you, me, everyone thought she was going to win. Not only did she not win, she didn't even get to complete the tournament. She got injured, didn't get to finish it out. Shuri would go on to win the tournament and become World of Stardom champion. 
Shuri would be champion for a year. Julia would have a chance to wrestle Shuri for the title. She'd fail her first time while also seeing Donna Del Mondo crumble around her, losing Shuri, Mirai, Natsupoi, now Hameka. Different reason. Uh, but, you know, we, she'd watch a lot of the members leave her, and she had to, once again, rebuild herself back up as a competitor. Fast forward to the five-star Grand Prix in 2022, and that is where we saw the Julia that we've all been waiting for, the complete form of Julia. Uh, she would lose her first two matches, and from there on out, lose one more, get to the finals on the final night. She'd wrestle Suzu Suzuki and reach back into her ice ribbon part of her career and then in the finals face Tam Nakano in the rematch from All-Star Dream Cinderella and ultimately get the big win there giving her the title match at Stardom Dream Queendom where she would go on to win the World of Stardom Championship finally after over three years, winning the title that everyone pinned her to win from the very start. It was a very much up and down road. The best way to see it is through the matches because I think you really get to see who Julia went from being, which was trying to be this technical wrestler, to instead just becoming a badass, much like the likes of a Akira Hokuto from Once Upon a Time. And yes, the finisher does help me say Akira Hokuto. Uh, but she would become more violent. She'd become a little bit more desperate. And I think that's really what made Julia all the better. And uh, yeah, that is the big story put into a really quick ball because otherwise we'd be here forever. Yeah, and this sort of gives people coming into stardom for the first time an idea of what to expect because, you know, stardom don't necessarily employ the, oh, we're doing uh, three pay-per-views worth of story arc and then people will move on to the next thing. Stardom really thrive in their stories and you follow a wrestler go from point A to point B in their journey. Now, that could take one month or that could take 10 years in the case of someone like Mai Iwatani, which makes it... Maybe a little daunting for some people jumping into Sardom for the first time to sort of you know make sense of all these stories. It's absolutely worth the little bit of investment you've got to do to sort of connect the dots. Of course, you can jump in halfway through and kind of pick up you know the crib notes of what's going on as everything's happening. But you know, for someone like Julia, even if you're only following from say 2022, um, you get a lot of story there. But if you take the time to look back at what started in 2019, 2020, 2021, you get such a, a greater depth of character. And that's where Stardom's storytelling really comes through is in their character work rather than I don't like you, I'm going to fight you. Ah, like say some of the American companies tend to lean on makes it a little bit more difficult uh but i would say more rewarding yeah uh next up i'll let i'll let trent take this one it is the story of mina shirakawa and club venus pretty simple very 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 recent and one that you'll really need to keep tabs on now because this is an ongoing story yeah, so obviously Mina Shikawa, part of the Cosmic Angels, which came into being uh, because Tam Nakano, who was a member of Stars at the time, was feeling like she wasn't really being appreciated and she's being pushed aside by Mayu Uitani's newest toys, aka the wrestlers who have come back from retirement. 
Um, Tam Nakano leaves Stars uh, and forms the Cosmic Angels alongside Mina Shirakawa, who's been a loyal soldier to Tam basically from the moment she came in. Uh, but you're starting to see Mina Shirakawa stretch her wings a little bit more and, you know, getting new opportunities. And Tam has been a little bit distracted by one of her newer members, Nat Sapoy. Uh, and those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Uh, it looks like Tam Nakano may be falling into the same mistakes that her former friend, Mayu Watani, did. Uh, Mina Shirakawa has now formed, Cosme- uh, formed Club Venus, which is her own kind of subgroup. And you're just noticing more and more when, you know, the Cosmic Angels group is together that maybe Mina doesn't look quite as happy uh, and went so far as to basically assault a fellow Cosmic Angel, Unagi Sayaka, her tag team partner, Pink Kabuki, uh, in the sort of conclusion of uh, the December show where you really saw Club Venus starting, you know, this was where that group began. You know, she's kind of shedding some of her past to move forward in the future. Obviously, this story is still very much unfolding, but as Mina becomes a bigger and bigger profile character in stardom, you get the impression that maybe she wants to, you know, do what all the big names start to do, and that's define themselves through a faction that they have created, which is Club Venus. If I was a betting man, not only will she potentially be winning uh, stardom's second now second biggest tournament of the year but she is likely to be the next wonder of stardom champion of course her face was broken by the champion side kamatani in her last challenge and that really has changed her trajectory not only with the club venus stuff but as a star overall mm. she has fans worldwide hoping for her she has fans you know nationally hoping for her. she's seen a meteoric rise in very few months and that was without her even wrestling so mm. to get an idea of not only how popular the cosmic angels are but how popular mina shirakawa is uh i think that'll be your best bet so obviously worth checking out there on the other side of things in the cosmic angels is none <laughs> other than Someone that I think a lot of people either absolutely love or maybe don't fully appreciate. And that is none other than our favorite loser, Wakasukiyama. She's never won a match in Star. She is over a lot. Over a hundred. Yeah, she uh, she joined the company. Um, she she joined Cosmic Angels. And she has had zero success. Every single match she's been in, she's lost. The only time she has a blemish that isn't a loss was when she was part of a gauntlet match against Julia, and she lasted three minutes at the end of Julia's 15-person gauntlet, which she almost lost. So there (laughs) you go. The key story here is that Tam Nakano gave her the ultimatum. At the end of 2022, she said, three months. You have three months to get a win or you are out of Cosmic Angels. And what we have seen since then is the best Wakasukiyama yet. Not only has she had great matches, but she's telling an emotional story where you just want her to get that win. Who knows what her career will be after that win? Doesn't really matter. We haven't seen the one win. Uh, this is this is where all the models. I will add, before she joined Stardom, she had one win to her name, and that was a win that she did not get the fall in. So it's not like she has a pinfall or submission victory anywhere in her career. 
Yeah, this is a, a long-term story even beyond stardom. I think it's also worth mentioning that the last match uh, that she can have in this period will be at New Blood Premium against none other than Nanai Takahashi, who is obviously very high on the pecking order and not someone that you can just breeze through. Um, Waka's story has really stepped up a gear um, over the past month or two now that there's a, a limit to when this story needs to kind of develop. Um, uh, before then, it was very much like, a, oh, Waka's in the match. They're losing. Um, yeah. But now there's a bit more meaning, a bit more passion, if I can uh, lean towards Nanai Takahashi in this situation. And it's added a lot of depth, not only to Waka's character, but the story surrounding it. Um, also worth mentioning, for those of you listening, uh, jumping into stardom, she is one of the stronger English speakers as well. So as stardom maybe start to link in with, you know, international sort of uh, promotion and stuff. Expect to see Mina Shirakawa, uh, Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama quite a bit sort of popping up. Trent, I'm going to let you take the next topic. Oh, thank you so much for giving <laughs> me um, the unfortunate recent news that Himika is retiring. So this is obviously coming through. This isn't a quote-unquote story so much as it is an actuality where they're kind of building into it. Himika, one of the members of uh, Donna Del Mondo, has been with the company since June of 2020, came back on the first show after the lockdowns. Um, She has decided after five years of professional wrestling to hang up the boots and pursue the next part of her life. Um, And she's going to be retiring. Her last match will be at the big all-star grand queendom show. She's going to be wrestling her long-term tag partner and best friend, Micah, and then the retirement ceremony will happen the following month at Currican Hall. Uh, Basically, she said, I want to wrestle a bunch of really cool people. She's named them, and it seems like basically she's getting what she wants. She's getting Risa Sarah in part of a trio's hardcore match starting in Showcase at the end of February. She's getting Chihiro Hashimoto at the Triangle Derby Finals um, in a one-on-one match. And there's a couple other matches she's listed that we might get to see, and obviously Mike at the end. Very upsetting, someone with a lot of talent who filled a really strong niche in the company. And as we saw um, at the first show with cheering at the Supreme Five, uh, her and Mike as a tag team are incredibly popular. Yeah, yeah. It's not a story. It's it's just part of what to follow, I guess. In these, it explains why my heart is broken. Yeah, but I guess the story that you will be following is how DDM reacts to it moving mm. forward. Because you know, with two new trainees coming in, with uh, Lady C obviously as a potential addition which she's always been someone that we've seen uh have a good relationship with ddm there will be movement folks there Mm. will be movement coming soon because i promise you ddm is not going to just go on with julia micah tecla and my sakurai that is very unlikely though they do still have their number two option obviously with a micah so it's not like you'll be seeing someone get that big of a step up but you will see someone uh, because Hameka is obviously a very big uh, void to fill for that group. She was the powerhouse. She was someone that not only could challenge for the Wonder Belt, but the world as well. And that's uh, that's something every faction usually has a big three. Obviously, mm-hmm. Tekla, Tekla can make a step up, which she will. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. 
Yeah, it has definitely uh, weakened the Donna Del Mondo faction, who just a year ago were unbelievably strong. And, you know, as life finds a way, it sort of balances things out. Um, but there's always a couple of faction shakeups throughout the year. Um, so absolutely expect Donna Del Mondo to make some moves, whether it's picking up one of the rookies, whether it's Lady C. Given the way stardom is right now, who knows who's going to pop up in the company and maybe become a full-time member uh, or who else might decide to go join Julia in the women of the world. As I like to say, signings always happen. Yes. You never know. Next up is Meltier. Meltier is the duo of Tam Nakano and Natsupoi. We've kind of touched on them in multiple ways with the Mia Shirakawa story, just kind of giving you the idea of what Cosmic Angels is. But their story is quite simple. You know, they were they were they were friends, turned rivals, and now they are a tag team friends again. Uh now in the same faction. Natsupoi turned on Julia DDM to go with Tam Nakano. They have a music sing they have a single, they have an album coming out. Dropping yeah, sick beats. They're doing the whole idols thing, uh, and they're one of the most beloved tag teams in mm. the world today. Uh, they almost they almost nearly got best tag team in the uh, was it Tokyo Sports Awards? Yes, Tokyo Sports, which Awards. is a big I deal. See, it's a big deal seeing that they weren't a team for half the year. So yeah, they came out of nowhere <laughs> basically, and they actually got the most first place votes in that. But yeah. given the structure of that particular voting setup, uh, yeah. that doesn't guarantee victory. But the main point is they're very popular. They're a story mm. worth following with what one Tam Nakano does next, because I think her next step, if there are any, is that world of stardom championship, obviously, especially with who is a who is champion now. Mm-hmm. As well as Natsupoi, who is someone that I think a lot of people expect to make the next step, whether it be Wonder or even a world challenge just because of her relationship with Julia. But uh she is someone that will be, I think, Wonder of Stardom champion, whether it be this year or at the beginning of next year. So again, uh, two people to look out for, and they could be tag team champions again as well. It does seem like that is the direction that they could be going. Yeah, these are these both of these two lean very heavy into the story aspect, um, which we've seen through their feuds. Um, you know, it's been on again, off again, leading up to when Natsupoi decided to betray Donna Del Mondo, and that's a lingering story beat that didn't necessarily get addressed in the immediate aftermath of Natsupoi's betrayal. But anytime she faces off against a member of Donna Del Mondo, they tend to lay it in a bit more on Natsupoi just to remind her this is what you left. Um, although, given where Donna Del Mondo are right now, <laughs> might have been the right decision. Um, but yeah, so they're a very heavy story duo. Um, they will turn anything into a story and then proceed to write about 17 Twitter posts telling you all about it. They sure will. Uh, they sure will. Uh, Trent, I'll let you take this next one, which is, of course, it's not really, it's a story in that it, there's records here that have been made, and that is the Saya Kamatani Wonder of Stardom title. Yeah, so she won the championship from Tam Nakano, which is a story in of itself, given the history Tam and Saya had with each other. Tam basically brought Saya Kamatani into stardom, and then Saya said, bye, and joined Queen's Quest. 
Um, and since becoming the World Wonder of Sun champion, she's gone on to break the record books for that particular championship, uh, surpassing Momo Watanabe in total single reign defences of the championship. And it's a title that, as of this recording, she still holds. Um, I, we both suspect that will change soon in the coming months but uh you sort of go back and look at the record breaking reign that she's had and this again this is very much where it's starting work on character beats you can see Saya's character developing from sort of that you know up and comer into finding herself as a main event caliber wrestler as one of the top stars of the promotion and kind of the emotional toll that takes on a wrestler and whereas Tam Nakano was very explicit in her emotional storytelling surrounding the white belt Saya Kamatani's uh, story and storytelling has been more of an internal force and probably best highlighted by the feud she had with Kyrie, who basically Kyrie called her out and said yeah, you're not mentally ready for this kind of burden and basically dared Sai Kamatani to become stronger as a result. Um, and that is a story that continues to evolve as she finds herself. And, yeah, part of that story is the Phoenix splash that didn't quite hit the mark and broke Mina Shirakawa's face. She hasn't really used that move since, and I think it could very much be a coming story beat when Mina Shirakawa challenges again. Mayu Tani and Starlight Kid. Uh, this is one of those long-term overarching stories. You kind of, you'll forget about it from time to time, but anytime they meet, it's important to know. So, uh, of course, Starlight Kid started off in stars as Mayu Yutani's protege. Um, and over time, that relationship only grew. You know, they became a great tag team, the MK sisters. Uh, and then, of course, away to tie had to go be away to tie. And like those stories we talked about, uh, they, you know, they did a match where the last person eliminated would have to join the opposing faction. Starlight Kid would ultimately lose for stars with Natsukator beating her. Uh, and that would ultimately lead to Starlight Kid joining away to tie, not like she wanted, but in time starting to like the new shape. You ever seen uh, Spider-Man three and when uh, Peter Parker starts to get the venom and starts to like the black suit, it's kind of like that. Um, Only far better, far better, far better. goes without saying um, what a though, bad movie to use as an example. <laughs> well, I just was like, it was, I thought it was fun. It's yeah. Anakin Skywalker. She's seduced by the dark side of the yeah. face. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get that good side, you know, even before. got the mask. That's true. That's true. Well, she had the mask before that, too. Um, yeah, she okay. She's like Anakin Skywalker. That's fine. Um, anyways, thanks <laughs> for running me off the track here. My point is, she started to like the way Away Otai worked, and more so than anything, she saw it as a chance to prove herself. Uh, Mayu Yutani went through a gauntlet of all of Away Otai members, beating every single one of them to get starlight kid back just for starlight kid to say not only do i not want to go back to stars i want to be on mayu iwatani's level mm -hmm. and that of course is saying a lot um trying to get to the level of the icon is obviously trying to get to the level of the highest ranking person in all of stardom uh, but that has created this great dynamic to follow. Anytime that they match up, uh, they've 
they've competed at both the final nights of the five-star Grand Prix the past two years. Uh, the first year, which was 2022's final. 2021. Kid was 2021, sorry. Years. There's a lot of years, dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, in 2021, she didn't uh, necessarily stand as much of a chance, but it was 2022 that you really saw what she was able to do in a year's time and grow as a wrestler that she came close, but she still fell victim to Mayu Iwatani. So it is a story to fall, not that you need to know it right now, but any time that they step in the ring, it's something you want to know because it makes the match all the more important, and they'll be going back to that story, I'm sure, soon enough. And it brings so much depth to both of those characters and sort of ties in again to, like, you're following for the characters, not the story specifically. Um, so it's it's a good one to keep in mind because they will come back to it and you will have to kind of be prepared for those two lifting it up a level because of that connection they have. Next up, Mariah's yeah. Rise. Trent... So Mariah came into the company at the beginning of 2022 after being one of the Momo masks that were coming in <laughs> and just kind of beating up people, lower card wrestlers, randomly on shows, specifically pay-per-views. Turned out Julia had done some recruiting all in uh, spiting Tam Nakano and Cosmic Angels, which is Julia's lot in life, um, brought in Mariah and Tekla. And Mariah coming through from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, formerly Mariah Mayumi, um, she immediately launched herself on the scene after winning her second match in stardom, challenged Shuri as the first contender for Shuri's World of Stardom Championship. And basically since then, the entire year of 2022 has been Mariah just trying to find her footing and her place in the company. She's challenged for the top championship, the One of Stardom Championship. She won the Cinderella tournament and then spent most of the second half of the year trying desperately to win the Goddess of Stardom Championships with uh, Amy Sarai. Mariah has really developed herself into one of the future stars of stardom. Um, if you're coming into the company and just following it for the first time, you can expect her to rise rapidly through the ranks, much like how we were predicting Natsupoy to maybe win the Wonder of Stardom Championship in the next year or two. I think we both uh, consider Mariah someone to win one of those top two championships by the end of next year at the very latest. Um, really has gotten over with the crowd doing a triple clap, which is one of the smartest things you could do in a clap-only crowd. Pandemic situation um, instantly sort of proved how popular and over she was. Um, but she's an underdog fighter. You know, as good as she is, uh, she's still very young. She's still finding her way, just trying to find her place in stardom uh, and an absolutely dynamite in-ring performer. Yeah, there's not much to uh, add there. It's just that's the story you need to follow because she is she is on the edge of becoming one of their main stars. She, she te something that i've noticed and maybe this is just a personal thing that i'll i'll give you my personal touch on the mirai scenario is that she knows her value in that anytime she says something anytime she kind of makes a point of it you kind of should pay attention uh the chiro ashimoto match of course was one of those times uh she has teased many times anytime her and hanan link up it is the future uh versus the future ace she's even said that in a tweet so 
those two seem to be future rivals waiting to happen for a big title match. Uh, she could be world of stardom champion by the end of 2023, and no one would be surprised. Yes. Next up, Prominence. Prominence is pretty easy because Prominence has now been here for a year. Prominence came in to uh, pretty much just shuffle the deck here in stardom overall, but it was Suzu Suzuki more than anyone getting into the face of Julia. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, they'd go on to rival out throughout the year. There would be a prominence for DDM match. There would be a Suzu versus Julia match. But now we've gotten to the point where they're kind of frenemies again, more than just blood rivals. Uh, but prominence's dominance has been felt throughout the past year. And uh, with them as our subscribe champion, it'll be interesting to see where's next. Uh, but they are serious threats in this promotion. So I just wanted to uh, kind of touch on them just a little further. They're kind of a chaotic outsider faction. They've come in, they don't really have any allies, and they're just trying to wreck things and upset the status quo. Um, and yeah, the backbone is the Suzu, Suzuki, and Julia story. That will continue to grow as time goes on in stardom and maybe beyond. Um, but the core thing you have to worry about is anytime these guys show up, um, they mean business and they're going to challenge anyone in their way. Most likely with weapons, because that's that. <laughs> uh, and now, 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 Trent, I think with this story, it's important because it's an overall, hey, here's what to expect these next couple months, and that is, of course, the direction of All-Star Grand Queen. Yes, so it's been plugged pretty much from before it was announced that this would be the biggest show in Stardom's history. It's happening on April 23 at the Yokohama Arena, which holds 20,000 people, which gives you an idea that this is a show that they're going to try and go all out on. We already uh, know that one match will be Himika versus Micah in Himika's last ever match, but you can very much expect there's a few sort of key matches being hinted at already probably Chihiro Hashimoto versus Shuri. Um, Julia will no doubt have a massive match. Uh, probably the Cinderella winner challenging for whichever championship they choose to challenge for. What this is, is kind of if you're coming into stardom, this is the show to really prepare yourself for. Uh could be their equivalent of Wrestle Kingdom or a WrestleMania. Um, and if Mercedes Monet is to wrestle in stardom, and we've heard apparently her contract states that she's probably going to do one or two matches in stardom. That's what we've heard, rumours. Um, if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen on this particular show. So they're going to go all out. They're going to stack this card. Um, so prepare yourself for one of the biggest, probably the biggest show in stardom's history when it's all said and done. Finally, Hanan, kind of with the same idea as Mirai. She's just someone that is slowly growing and climbing up the hierarchy in stardom. So I feel like bringing up her story is pretty simple. Uh, I said it earlier, but she is she is seen as the future ace of this company, not only by fans, but like I said, Mirai has said it. Uh, you know, people are aware she is she is learning under Mayu Yutani after all. She has it just great like ability. And each time she gets a bigger opportunity, she tends to show up. Yeah. So 
that's very important as well. Uh, there's not, not too much. Really given her chances to kind yeah. of establish herself with the Future of Stardom Championship and a match that we will address in a little bit on this podcast. Uh, but the important thing to keep in mind is typically Stardom don't heavily push a wrestler until they've graduated and Hanan is due to graduate. So if Hanan is going to take up to next level, it's probably going to happen very soon. Sure is. Uh, but that is all the main stories. And now I promised you this episode's about to get a lot quicker because you know we have broken down the stories, we've broken down the factions, we've broken down the titles. Now we will just give you looks at the key shows and tournaments to know as the year goes on. Uh, we'll kick off with the, the, the tournament that's coming up. I think that's the best way to look at it. That is the Cinderella tournament for a long-time stardom staple tournament in their schedule. Of course, the five-star Grand Prix has become more so their staple now with the uh, transition not only to Bushiroad, but popularity. That is the big Grand Prix tournament. But the Cinderella tournament is pretty simple. It is a bracket style. It... uh, has very unique rules, <laughs> which is over the top ropes allowed, 10 minute, uh, which they changed the time limits from time to time. So mm. I can't make that official, but there are 10, uh, 10 minute time limits to start. Uh, you'll go through the rounds. This year will be a, a lineup of 36 competitors. <laughs> so biggest ever. biggest ever. So that is a tournament that will be held over four nights this year. Uh, used to be a one-night tournament, but as the roster gets bigger, as the field gets bigger, the tournament gets bigger as well. Yeah, and it's also to keep in mind the winner gets a wish of their choosing, which historically has always been a championship match, either for the red belt or the white belt has basically been. It's it's more or less been the white belt. That's kind of what we expect to happen now moving forward. The winner will uh, choose to challenge for the white belt. And the other thing to keep in mind is the winner wins basically the right to wear a Cinderella dress. Um, it's the kind of lasting image of every tournament. Uh, every Cinderella tournament is the winner will come out. After it's all said and done, probably had a very quick shower um, to freshen up. They'll come out in a dress. The quality of the dress has... Uh, grown substantially under bushy road um compared to the past but it's 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 a nice little twist on the championships uh not every promotion would put their winner in a cinderella dress most notably the men's promotions probably wouldn't unless it's ddt um but it, yeah it's a kind of a it's one of the biggest tournaments that they run probably one of the more iconic ones and it's always exciting single elim- single elimination over the top rules tends to allow for a lot of big names to get eliminated in surprising matches. You know, if someone gets thrown over the top rope to lose their match, it doesn't look bad on them. Um, and you see 10-minute time limits results in people getting knocked out in a draw. Uh, so it's sometimes easy to predict the winner, but the pathway there is very unpredictable. It sure is. Uh, next up. Uh, let's see let's see on the schedule we'll do the march april show i say march april because it changes every year now (laughs) um past two years it was all-star dream cinderella i get the names wrong because they change the names just slightly every year uh last year was stardom world climax a two-night event and this year is all-star grand queendom uh in the yokohama arena so 
those are important events because that can either be the biggest show of the year or the biggest show of the year. That's what it's become. It's always uh, one. It's become one of the highlight times. And although they haven't settled on a name, like, you know, it's not the WrestleMania show or the Wrestle Kingdom show. It's just the March-April show and whatever they're going to call it. It doesn't have a set location. Went from the Nippon Budokan to Ryogoku Hall, now in Yokohama Arena. All you need to know is there's going to be a really big show on every year around this time. Exactly. And this year's could be the very biggest. We'll have to wait and see what that card looks like, of course. But we do know Jamaica and Micah. So in Trent's book, yes. it is the biggest already. <laughs> um, next up, let's see. We'll talk New Blood here. New Blood is a series they created last year to highlight the young talent of not only their own promotion in stardom, but around the entire Joshi scene. Uh, it like I said earlier, has tag titles coming its way. Um, their first ever pay-per-view. But what is cool about New Blood is that all their normal shows are held for free on mm-hmm. YouTube. And so, live-streamed. Yes, and live-streamed. So it's a chance to check out Stardom in a free whole new way. Also, other talent from around the uh, scene. I think the note i will say here is that you won't always get you know the best of the best wrestling but you'll get to see young town who are developing in you know learning how to work kind of come together and really begin to shine yeah consider this a bit of a developmental brand um it's giving a chance for wrestlers who maybe wouldn't get this kind of spotlight um and give some of the stardom wrestlers a chance to perform higher up on a card um someone like amy sarai who got to uh, defend her future stardom championship in a main event someone like ruaka getting a chance to wrestle in the main event um as well as some of the more a wrestler like mariah or starlight kid who don't necessarily need to be on a developmental show but it gives it a little bit of extra oomph um yes mostly these are lower tier uh shows in terms of pure match quality but every now and again you'll get a match like mirai versus suzu suzuki so you kind of have to pay attention it's also very hairy deceptively heavy on story uh, a lot of wakasuki yama's story over the past year has developed on these shows um, we're seeing wrestlers who are popping up on Stardom's main brand debut on these New Blood events. So it's not something you can just skip if you're only wanting to focus on the heavy top-end stuff. Um, but it is something that is interesting to watch, and it's great in terms of seeing the future of Joshi. Wrestlers that you wouldn't expect to get this kind of opportunity get this chance, and you never know. You might find your new favourite wrestler on New Blood. The other side is the Stardom in Showcase shows. These are uh, these are crazy, to say the least. They They're are shows that give you a chance to kind of see a little bit of everything in that you'll see Falls Count Anywhere matches. You'll see uh, cosmic rules matches you'll see casket matches it is the mat is the show of stipulations it is Mm. the show of let's just do some stuff let's have a fun time the roster always has a fun time uh more often than not you'll have a fun time as well uh and yeah it's it's just the series that they do to change it up from the usual uh formulas that they have 
Yeah, these feel like shows where the wrestlers are allowed to let their hair down a little bit and do something they wouldn't normally be able to do on the mainline shows. Very gimmick-heavy, as Scott mentioned. There's always a false Count Anywhere match, which inevitably shows some kind of chaotic moments and scenes, uh, exploding deathmatch caskets. It also gives Stardom a chance to do short-term storytelling, um, which is generally done through uh, online YouTube, Twitter, and stuff like that. Um, typically, the short-term uh, stories don't bleed into the main programs. But you also have to keep in mind that even though these are sort of semi-canon, um, stories will come from these shows onto the mainline programs. This is where Neo Stardom Army actually became a thing, was on Stardom in Showcase. The other thing to keep in mind is the trend is that you don't get them coming out to their entrance music they are played to the ring by, don't want to say it's always going to be DJ Pretty Dragon, but so far it's DJ Pretty Dragon, um, which just brings a different vibe, having sort of remixes of popular songs, uh, bringing wrestlers down. They have a different way of starting matches. It's just kind of a wild sort of alternate universe in a lot of ways. And um, not for everyone, but these tend to be a lot of fun. I think it's important to... uh... To also note that uh, DJ Pretty Dragon needs to always be on these shows. Anyway, yes. We move along. Uh, of course. Release here. the Stardom entrance theme mega mix, please. Yes, that is the best part of every show. Uh, and then, of course, is your staple, your five-star Grand Prix. This has become the event for Stardom in that it is like your G1 Climax in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Sometimes past couple of years has been better than the G1 Climax. Um, that's just the truth. Uh, we'll, we'll see if New Japan's really back with how they do it this <laughs> year. Uh, but this is your this is your usual round robin, two blocks, some of the best matches you'll see all year, um, some of the best talents you'll see all year. Very simple. <laughs> world, yeah. You get a world title opportunity out of it. Well, you get... Yeah, pick your batch, but it's always a world title. Yeah, match. like how the Cinderella tournament normally results in a Wonder of Stardom championship match, the five-star Grand Prix typically results in a World of Stardom championship match. This is where if you're a fan of the company, you need to strap in, clear, clear your schedules, become very antisocial because to follow this uh, two months, sometimes uh, long tournament, it takes a lot of focus. There's a lot of wrestling to consume over this period, and it's not for the faint of hearted. But if you're willing to go on this journey, you're rewarded with some of the best wrestling over a very short period. Yeah, I think uh, you'll you'll learn quickly that this is an easy tournament to follow, much like the G1. If you follow the G1, it's not easy. It's not easy either, but uh, it's a lot. <laughs> they have a lot more matches. They had a lot more matches than uh, the G1 did last year. I think it was 157 mm. in total. Uh, so to kind of give you a hint of what that tournament brings. But 15-minute time limits is not as grueling for you if you want to see everything. Um, it's a great tournament, though. Yeah. As much as we're kind of making it up to be daunting, follow up because it is the best wrestling you'll see all year. And look. Some people aren't able to watch everything. Pick your spots, pick your wrestlers, pick your moments. It is absolutely worth watching as much or as little as you can. 
cheap plug, listen to my show so you can just hear what I think is worth checking out. Because I have to, not only do I have to watch every one of them, but I will happily watch every single one of them. Um, anyways, we move ahead here. Um, Goddess Tag League is a tag team tag league. You kind of understand how these goes by now in all wrestling promotions. They're not the most important part of any. Uh, they're mostly just to fill cards, but you get a pretty good run on the final night. Yeah, and it's in, it always interesting to see what kind of pairings they do. You'll get the odd sort of uh, unusual pairing or you know, you'll see the, the growth of a new pairing that's definitely worth paying attention to. It's not on the levels of your five-star Grand Prix or even Cinderella Tournament, um, but it's, yeah, there's value here. And if you enjoy tag team wrestling, you get a lot of it um, where it feels more important than just throwaway tag matches. Stardom, Dream Queendom, the new staple, yearly staple. We've had two of them to this point. It feels like it'll be the year-end event from here on out. I was going to put the year-end climax, but that doesn't matter nearly as much as this anymore. Uh, Stardom, Dream Queendom for the past two years has been the culmination of two incredible world title chases with both Shuri and Julia. It is your de facto big show of the year. It is the show you need to check out. If you're planning to get into stardom right now, because it does set up a lot of what you're seeing in these first couple of months. Yeah, uh, the good thing about this one is unlike the April May show, we sort of March April show where we mentioned it's you know, the dates change, the show names change, the locations change. This one feels like they're building to be very specific. It's December 29, and it's at Rio Goku Hall, um, Sumo Hall. Uh, and what's important about this is obviously. Uh, Japanese wrestling goes into a bit of a frenzy at the end of the year, start of the year, uh, generally centered around Wrestle Kingdom, Pro Wrestling Now have their big shows. Everyone kind of does something. So if you're going to go to Japan to watch wrestling, this is a really good time to go. So it's good now that if you want to go see Stardom, you have a pretty much a guarantee. If you go there in time to be in Japan, December 28, 29, um, you get to see one of the Bigger show that Sodom will put on. And then you can stick around for the other stuff. <laughs> That's the best way to sell it. And of course, what we're going undergoing now, the first ever Triangle Derby, is mm-hmm. a trios tournament. Uh it to me is the way to kind of make your opening year cards a little more uh important. Nothing um groundbreaking, but you get to see some cool combos. We've mm-hmm. seen some brand new trios through this tournament, and uh ultimately it'll lead to a artist of stardom challenger. Yeah, the, the trios matches in stardom are a lot of fun, um, and this is a good way to kind of get a taste for it, um, get an idea of everyone that's on the roster. A few people who aren't on the roster, um, it's a fun little tournament. Again, not on the level of your five-star Grand Prix or Cinderella tournament, but if you like trios matches, you got a lot of them here. You sure do, and I think as someone that has watched every single match, um you get to see a lot of opportunities, I think, for each wrestler mm. to shine a little bit. Um, like one of my favorite matches were Cosmic Angels going head to head to head, just because of the Waka story. Another one of my favorites, you know, have been you know just the best teams in the whole tournament mm. going head to head. It's very simple. 
Um, but it, it gives you a chance, kind of like the tag league, to see matchups you may not see otherwise. They're holding. Especially interfaction matches, which yeah. they don't always run throughout the year. But anytime you get to see Stars versus Stars or Queen's Quest versus Queen's Quest, Donna Del Mondo versus Donna Del Mondo, uh, it's always they, they, they bring it a bit harder against their stable mates. Next up now, the necessary shows from 2022. I tried to keep this list very short, uh, but these shows are not only the best of the best, I think, from last year, but the most important in terms of what to carry into this year. Mm. And that starts off with the five-star Grand Prix Finals on October the 1st. That is on Stardom World, stardom-world.com. You can check it all out. The price is a steal. Uh, it really is. The yen's low. So the yen to dollar ratio, uh, if you're here in the U.S., worth it. Uh, but the five-star Grand Prix, of course, features all of the Julia stuff I was talking about with Suzuki Tanakano. includes the latest battle between Mayu Yutani and Starlight Kid, which is fantastic. The first-ever match between Micah and Hameka, which was highly anticipated and understandably so. You get a Shuri and Risa Sarah match. Uh, what else do you get? I don't know. Uh, Hazuki versus Momo Watanabe. Hazuki versus Momo Watanabe, which was killer and very forgotten on that show. As you can tell, I just forgot it. Um, <laughs> but it's a fantastic match. It's one of the best. To me, the five-star is five-star finals for me, back-to-back years, has been the best show of the year. Mm. It's the most bang for your buck. It is entertainment from start to finish. And then, of course, you culminate with the perfect final uh on that show so definitely worth checking that out it's a lot of high intensity matches and very anticipated matches condensed into a very easy to digest format and although the concept of like 10 singles matches on a single show might seem a little kind of repetitive um they always feel different you've got different stories unfolding you've got different types of wrestlers and they do a fantastic job each year of making this show feel important from start to finish, telling different stories as the show unfolds. It's not just a show where different matches happen. There's always that kind of uh, undercurrent of a story. That's always, to me, the most important. I think these shows best highlight what stardom is as a promotion, which is always important. And the other show? kind of hinted at that stardom dream queendom that sets you up for what this year has so far been and what it will continue to be as we head into all-star uh what is it called grand queen all-star, all-star grand, grand queendom yeah i've, I've said dream i've said dream cinderella today i've said all of them so i forget every second uh, they, they that, tend to sort of use the same combination of words in a lot of pay-per-views dream queendom dream uh cinderella so it does you kind of have to double check yourself sometimes, but uh, yeah, this is one of the shows that you need to check out. It's kind of like a good jumping on point. If you're listening to this going, okay, I want to get into stardom. Where do I start? Uh, this is a good show to start on. Watch this one. Then probably Supreme fight from February 4th this year. Um, they kind of give you the, the jumping off points into what's going on. And then you can find your footing on the current product. Yep. I, that's the best way. Like Trent said to be caught up. Um, if you just want to watch pay-per-views, uh, the necessary matches from 2022. This is a little more expanded throughout the year. Uh, most of them come at the year end to kind of keep you uh, 
close and not having to go back though i always recommend going to check out uh the reigns of both shuri and saya kamatani that can also give you a good clue as well as azami she's had the belt for a long time as well Hmm. um nearing nearing a year officially uh in a matter of days actually next week basically from when we're recording Yes, which is very cool. Very happy for her. That's yes. actually that's actually great. Uh, we'll start off though with Starlight Kid versus Azumi from February twenty third. Uh, that is the match. That was the first match of the year that put Stardom in the headlines, and I don't think mm. it's the match that people expected to do that. Um, but it's one of the best high speed matches of all time. It was one of my favorite matches of last year. Um, it's just high speed excellence. Yeah, you, you get the high-speed excitement um, without it just being high-speed. They do slow it down a little bit to tell more of a story. Um, but beyond just that, you've got the overarching story of Stardom's two youngsters that have grown up together in the ring, uh, continuing their ongoing uh, feud. As Stardom Kids' finisher puts it, they are eternal foes, and you get that in this match. And Absolutely deserved all the praise and the attention it was getting globally. This was kind of, yeah, this was the match after Shuri Nutami from 2021 uh, that kind of made everyone go, hang on, you need to be checking out this promotion if you aren't already. And it's good to know that on the 4th of March, they will be running it back. So uh, go check that out ASAP. Uh, you, don't want, you don't want to miss it. Uh, to hint at kind of what we were talking about earlier, we'll talk about the final Night of the Five Star Grand Prix. Once again, that will be Mayu Tani versus Starlight Kid, I think, for their story. And because of personal preference, I don't give a shit. You should watch it. <laughs> um, Julia versus Sue Suzuki. Very important match, too. Mm-hmm. Not only last year's stories that we've seen, but Julia's story and Suzu's, for that matter. Yeah. Sam Nakano versus Julia, the Five Star Grand Prix final. Uh, all three of those matches, I think, are essential. And now. I'll even toss Mike and Hameka in there with Micah with uh, Hameka on her way out yeah. because I think just uh, watch the whole show. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's what I said. But if yeah. you if for some reason you said I don't really uh, I don't have the time to watch a whole show, I tried to give you the matches that mm. specifically go out of your way to see because they're very yeah. important. Um, so I hope I hope that helped everybody. Don't watch um, the whole show. Yeah, watch the whole show, please. And this match actually comes on a non stardom show and we've been kind of back at 14 with the iwgp title but of course <laughs> this is the main event of historic crossover mayu yutani versus Kyrie, not only one of the best matches in pro wrestling last year uh but it is the start of the iwgp women's title and it is the mm-hmm. first time ever that women main event today promote uh, a show that had new japan connected to it like this yeah. one uh, yeah th- this whole show had a vibe of importance and kind of i, I think people maybe going into it were a little worried how will they pull it off you know everything going on and this was the match that kind of had everything riding on it they chose the main event with the women a close out with the show and they delivered and then some uh only fitting two of the three daughters of stardom maya watani kairi um coming out there and just kind of Showing, showing a very open world because, you know, a lot of people coming to this uh, show weren't super familiar with Stardom. They're coming in as New Japan fans and like, okay, we'll see what Stardom's all about. And this was a great introduction to show the style of wrestling and the style of characters. Um, very fun show all in all, but this match delivered and then some. And really most of the mini tournament they held 
to crown who would win the IWGP is worth buying. You had some mm-hmm. great matches. Himika versus Utami, Mayu Utani versus Utami Hayashida is a match that I think is going to go underrated by a lot of people. And then Mayu Utani versus Momo Watanabe. Yeah, that's the, uh, as I like to say, that is the easiest matchup to say, oh, let me just, you know, let me just find a great match from Star Wars history. And just <laughs> toss on any match that they ever had. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty safe. It's pretty safe. Mm. Um, Anyways, we continue here now, um, and the final match is Shuri versus Julia from Stardom Dream Kingdom. If you don't want to watch that whole show, um, this is the match you got to see. This is the yep. match that sets up this year. Uh, this is also, for our money, the best match of 2022 for Stardom. It took mm-hmm. till the final match of the year to get that. I think that bona fide five stars that a lot of people were looking for, um, unquestioned five stars from the collective, you know, viewership. Yes, yeah. This, if you're going to watch one match from Stardom in 2022, from a purely like in-ring standpoint, this is the match. But it also delivers on so much more than that because it is the culmination of Shuri's World of Stardom Championship reign and Julia's quest for the World of Stardom Championship. And obviously their histories together, which have gone from them being a part of Donna Del Mondo, being a tag team together with ALK to the breakup, the split, and then, yeah, coming all to a head on this particular show. And they delivered and then some. Man, we're almost done here. It's kind of, mm. kind of sad. But I hope, uh, hope this has helped everyone. Uh, now the great matches we're checking out. These are just... Matches out of the blue, not from the big shows. They're not essential, but they're some of the very best from 2022. And I think it'll give you a good taste of what stardom's all about. Uh, we got a little bit of everything here. So let's do it. Uh, Saya Kamatani versus Natsupoi from February 23rd. Cinderella Journey, uh, one of Saya Kamatani's best defenses of the Wonder of Stardom mm-hmm. Championship. And also, I think for a lot of people, the coming out party for. Natsupoi. Somehow managing to follow Azumi versus Starlight Kid, which was the uh, match we talked about just a little bit earlier, uh, which, you know, that was the match, and then this match came on. One of the best one-two punches to finish a show for 2022. And the World of Stardom Championship wasn't even defended. (laughs) Thank you for that reminder, which makes it all the more insane. But (laughs) again, I think that's something that Stardom did right last year, too, is let the wonder main event some shows it let mm. it it let the rain for saya kind of jump out and i don't think we we may not see that again until she loses the belt but let's wait and see yeah. uh next up with another saya kamatani defense and i think me and trent both agree it is the best yet uh mm-hmm. which is funny because it was also the least anticipated at the time <laughs> everyone was like, eh, we just saw it it was saya kamatani versus tam nakano from night two of Stardom World Climax on March 27th. Uh, of course, these two just had a match three months earlier, almost to the date. So I remember they were like, I was like, oh, we're just we're just doing that again. All right, cool. I mean, and I was excited because that was a fantastic match. I'm like, it okay, run it back. Let's see, let's see you do Empire Strikes Back after a new hope. And I gave us Empire Strikes Back. I was gonna say, not only did they run it back, they I think for some people may have had an even better match. It'll depend what your preference is. Mm. I don't fault you if you pick one over the other because that is how good both were. Um, 
but it kind of, you know, the first match you saw an evolution of the right Tam's type of match into Saya's. This whole match was the Saya Kamatani style match, and Tam Nakano, as she often does, plays to the challenge, and it absolutely kills it. Next up, the Azumi versus May Suruga high speed title match from April 29th. I believe this was the Cinderella final, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was. Yes. Um, this match, you know, some people, you don't listen to those people that actually didn't like this because they're wrong. This match is that high speed greatness, but it really is high speed. Like, this is high speed down to the very end. But you also get to see that beautiful creativity of Mesa Ruga. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see Azumi kind of go against someone that can match her in the high speed game, which, you know, we don't always get to see. Yeah, it's sort of when we mentioned that Zumi versus Starlight Kid is kind of the best example of what the belt can be. This is maybe the purest example of what to expect from high-speed matches. Um, mile a minute action, lots of pinfall transition sort of moves, and just a little bit of kind of comedy interlaced with it, um, really tied into both May Saruga and Azumi's style really well. Uh, yeah, this maybe won't win over everyone because... Um, the comedy isn't for everyone. High-speed wrestling isn't for everyone. But what they do here is just so great. It is such an underrated match because I think a lot of people are looking at the end of the year, a lot of the big stuff they did. And when you think the high-speed from 2022, you think Azumi Starlight Kid, but this was a top-tier match in its own right. We'll go down as one of the more underrated from the year for sure. And um, any chance to see Mace Ruger in a big-time match is always a joy. We don't get enough of those opportunities, as I like to say. Uh, Shuri versus Risa Sarah from Flashing Champions. This is the match that I think for a lot of people shifted the reign of Shuri in the best way possible. It went mm-hmm. away from the you know classic main event style where you know she'd do some technical stuff and then they trade moves back and forth and then she'd win. It it went down the Risa Sarah uniqueness of we're going to use weapons i'm going to use weapons i'm going to bring you all around (laughs) the arena i'm going to beat the crap out of you and you're going to have to match it it's to me still one of the best starter matches from last year uh it doesn't necessarily play to any story Mm. but it is the match that shifted shuri's reign i think to being the best of the best from 2022 Yeah, this is just a blast, and I think what it does best is it shifts up that formula. You know, starter main event matches, they have a a little bit of a formula to them, and you kind of expect when you're going into one, you know, going to go for 20-plus minutes and it's going to build slowly. This one hits harder, hits fast. It defies a lot of those uh, expectations, and it really does uh, benefit from that. It sure does. It's It's a beautiful world title match. I know for a lot of people, it is their favorite of Shuri's mm. reign up until that final match. <laughs> uh, Julia versus Suzuki from the opening night of the five-star Grand Prix. A lot of the five-star Grand Prix will sadly be forgotten because of how great that final night was, truthfully. Mm. But to kick it off with a bang, Suzuki and Julia got a chance to main event that show. Uh, that sh- that whole opening show is great, by the way. The, whole, the first two days are yeah. really great uh, pro wrestling. But I thought to highlight this one because I think this kicked Julia's tournament into gear as well as Hazuki's return um, in a lot of ways. This felt like that Hazuki, 
Vista from away to tie days. Um, they they beat each other up all through the arena and they maximize their minutes. That's the word I use a lot of the time. I think they may went maybe 11 minutes, um, but it's some of the best 11 minutes you'll see from wrestling all of last year. Yeah, this is where the 15-minute time limit from five-star Grand Prix matches can really come in handy because it forces them uh, to kind of adapt in a certain way. And what story can we tell in 10 minutes or 15 minutes? And the best of the best in stardom shine by doing that. And there's a lot of matches here throughout this tournament, listed through, that we recommend going and watching. One that we don't actually have on this list, but I'm going to throw out there because I forgot about it until just then, was <laughs> Micah versus Atami Hayashishida. Mm. Like, if you are coming in and you don't know especially Micah that well that's perhaps the perfect match to jump in and go oh this is why she's the number two in Donna Del Mondo and why Utami Hayashishida is so popular and why she got pushed to the championship as soon as she did next up we have Mirai versus Suzu Suzuki from the five star Grand Prix this is their second match of the year which, may I add, the best match in New Blood history is between these two. By far. But, but what they decided to do was one-up it in one of the best matches of the tournament. Another, And like I said, all the matches from the five-star Grand Prix that aren't on that final night are honestly going to be underappreciated. Mm. And this is definitely high on that list. This was, I think for a lot of people, from my memory, if you weren't on the Mirai train, this is the one that said, "Ah, shit, I'm late to the I'm late to the party." Yeah, uh, she is she is that good. And you're of course, too late to join the bandwagon, but we're yeah. in economy seating. Yeah, you're too late to join the bandwagon that I was clapping all about on uh, like her second match or something. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember you being on the show, and I think you wanted to kill me. Uh, that was about a year ago, truthfully, as by this point. Uh, but yeah, this was the this was the coming out match for Mirai that people were some people just were waiting for for some reason, but I think for you and me, it's just like, nah, these are just two of the best going head to head. Um, and it was uh, Suzu Suzuki's introduction to the five-star Grand Prix, and I think what really makes this one stand out is they tell a wonderful story in this match. Um, you can go in with no idea of what's going on um, in terms of the tournament, in terms of the wrestlers, and you get a great match, you get a great self-contained story. They do wonderful physical storytelling, and it's just a banger of a match. And this is an example of where you need to pay attention to five-star Grand Prix because this was this was on a crook and hole, so there was some importance inherent by it being on this show. But you kind of, you could have slept on this very easily if you're only looking for the Julias or the Shuris or the Mayu Watanis, um, sort of joining into the stardom fray for the first time. If you weren't familiar with these wrestlers and you missed it, then why was you? Go back and watch it, and you'll realise why people are so excited about both Mirai and Suzu Suzuki, because... They put on a tremendous match. I, I I wave the banner for this match harder than just about anyone. I won't shut up about it because, as Scott mentioned, buried in the five-star Grand Prix, very easy to forget about. And they main evented a Corken Hall, which is all the more important. Mm. Um, to break away from the full-out singles matches was a trios match. Uh, Starly Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Saki Kashima defending the artists of stardom t- titles against... Hazuki, Koguma, and Hana. This is the Hana coming out match, I think, for a lot of people. This was 
her greatest performance yet. This was a main event level performance. She was made the story of the match. And boy, oh boy, are you going to want to be on the edge of your seat for this one as you hope and pray Hanan gets that win. So, spoiler alert, she doesn't. But <laughs> but it's really great. I think it's the best match to kind of see where Hanan's at already um, and where she's going to go. It's the best match to see why people are so excited about Hanan. And it's also a great match to show why the artist championships put on, you know, consistently matches that you want to make sure you go out of your way and watch. Because the trio's formula, they do have a formula very much, but it's a formula that they've really nailed down in the past year or two. And it produces a lot of great matches, a lot of exciting matches, and a lot of star-making opportunities because you know even though there's six women in the match it's not unusual for these trios uh, matches to basically break down into the story of one wrestler Uh, in this particular occasion it was Hanan and it is a fantastic story that they tell wonderfully and the final match very uncreative of us is Shuri versus Utami Hai Shishida for the World of Stardom Championship uh, believe it or not, I'm willing to say this, not that I did this, but if you walked out of this one saying that this was their best overall pro wrestling match, I wouldn't call you crazy, which I think is an accomplishment in itself, seeing that <laughs> what they did the year prior <laughs> twice is uh, something special, obviously. But these two, after nearly a year of not, well, actually, no, they fought in the five-star Grand Prix. Another great match, by the way. Um, but after you're not having that full out main event match, they went head to head. And, uh, despite not a chance of Tommy winning this match, they made you believe for a little bit there. Um, it's just a spectacular world title main event. Yeah. We're, we're fashioned this one in the just matches you need to go out of your way and watch rather than the matches that have meaning and story behind it, uh, mainly because their stories aren't intersecting right now or probably anytime soon. But there's obviously a very storied history between these two. Um, if you have the time going back and watching all of their matches, it's a wonderful evolution as both wrestlers learn to counter one another and push each other to be better and find new ways and dig deep inside to win matches. Um, but you can come to this match with none of that, just a random match. Oh, this could be good. And you're going to walk away being like, damn, that was good. Um, just, yeah. yeah, two of the they, very best in the world just slamming each other in the pursuit of winning the most prestigious title in Joshi. They upstaged the highly anticipated Sai Kamatani Kyrie match that happened just before it. So, just to give you an idea of what this match did. And it uh, wasn't the main event of the show. No, it wasn't. A TLC <laughs> match was. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but those are all the matches worth checking out. That is all you need to know about. Only this. matches. Don't watch any other match from 2022. Yeah, I mean, you can find something else too, I'm sure. Uh, if you want to check out all of Kyrie's matches, those are important too, I'm sure. You know, just to kind of see how she she kind of got back to that top level. But I just recommend the Mayu one because that is her at her very best. Yeah. Um, Accounts to follow. This is very important because if you Ow. want to get into stardom. Well, yeah. First off, you follow me and Trent's accounts. You can follow at Scott E Wrestling on Twitter. If you don't already, you can also follow at One Up Culture. Follow Trent. We'll we'll do our plugs at the end here. Uh, but you can follow <laughs> at We 
underscore r underscore stardom that is the english stardom account uh to get all the information you need on upcoming shows pay-per-views you know pay-per-view links which is very important if you want to mm-hmm. check them out um and and so much more you can follow stardom's official japanese account at wwr underscore stardom they they're obviously more active because they're tweeting literally everything happening in stardom you can see Mm. match cards updated first there you know because they'll post it to the website long before certain things you can see videos that's where a lot of the videos are posted first match highlights um ticket sales you can see literally everything on there um the one thing to keep in mind if you are getting into stardom and you're looking to follow the promotion if you are wanting to watch stuff unspoiled uh, yeah, maybe don't follow these accounts just because when matches happen, they it's posted. They release and look, the if you're watching the pay per views, you're watching live. Um, but especially yeah. like the on demand stuff, the current halls, the weekly stuff. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to avoid results of those and going blind uh, by watching Stardom World, you have to kind of avoid these accounts, unfortunately, yeah. because the results They're are posted. Results. Yeah, right. So They're just keeping that in mind. Yep, they're posting results for their fans, of course. And then the off-brand um, non-stardom accounts, but ones that I think are definitely worth checking out. You could follow at It's Dana Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are it's very important because you get translations from the press conferences, uh, post-match, literally everything. Dana is so great at getting those all together um, in due time if you want to just know what uh, is being said. Yeah, because uh, unfortunately, not everything is subtitled outside of the matches um, by the Stardom official accounts. Um, so if you, and especially in terms of stories, the press conferences give you a lot of information yeah. and the post-match stuff give you a lot of information. And Dana, thankfully, translates it for us. It's, it would be a lot more difficult to follow some of these stories if it wasn't for the work that she's doing. Yeah, and to follow that up, the great other great account to kind of see the videos with subtitles at times mm. is at Hamachu underscore doi. Uh just fantastic work there. I think that this account was really noticed with the Mina Shirakawa mm. um post match promo that she delivered. That's kind of where sh- that all exploded from. So uh definitely make sure to follow him as well. Uh, he's really helped, I think, a lot of fans kind of fully embrace that and just kind of see what's going on. He does other Joshi, too, and mm-hmm. other really all wrestling. He's it's not just stardom, but it's a great account to follow for stardom. And uh, that's that's it as the stardom guide. We have hit over just over two hours. Not bad. Not shocked, but not bad. Uh, we could go a lot longer if we really yeah. wanted to dive into every single character and stuff. But oh yeah, if we did every roster member, we'd be here for seventeen yeah. hours. So but we were... we're, we're not that insane, um, and you oh, guys aren't that insane. I am, but you know, that's that's another topic for another no day. Trent, Trent, where can they find you? I kind of already hinted at that, but also like you know, content wise and stuff. Yeah, like so you up. can find me uh, at Twitter. At One Up Culture, um, I post for a few different uh, sort of websites and magazines. But um, if you follow me there, you'll see most of it. Um, 
I guess, if you, if you want, generally what I do is in-depth stories and character studies. So if you're getting into stardom, what I really want is a lot of my pieces to give you this background information so you can come into the matches and know why these characters matter, why their stories have led them to certain moments. That's kind of what I like to do. Um, and then there's a few podcasts generally involving Scott here um, in terms of stardom Sorry. and Joshi. Um, bit more chill, bit more relaxed, a little bit crazier because uh, we enjoy to go at each other just a little bit. Yeah, just don't check out the latest episode. Uh, <laughs> you can Ocean check Cyclone Show. You can uh, check out. You can, of course, follow me at Sky Wrestling. If you're not doing that by now, after listening to my show for all this time, ouch. <laughs> but that's okay you can follow me now content wise uh make sure to check out stardom road if you really want to get into stardom that's me and trent's uh stardom show where we dive into the history of stardom and everything going on um you especially want to check out the most recent episode which was part one of the orisa hashiki series uh part two will be coming up on tuesday so mm-hmm. be sure to check that out uh we love doing that um, what else? What else? What else? I'm sure I'll have a lot of content. You know, WrestleMania is coming up, so there's about a million events that come along with that that I will be covering one way or the other. Of course, I will be covering stardom here, there, and everywhere because that's what I do. Um, I'm very excited for the coming months. Of course, we're coming off a big match for stardom overall with Mercedes Monet participating for the very first time. So uh, I'm sure I'll do something on that as well. But make sure you check out the Patreon here on Fight Game Media Network. Uh, If you're not subbing to the Patreon, you're missing out on a lot. Not just my content, uh, which, you know, you can hear my stardom parts of the show every single week here on the free feed. But what you can't hear is my everything else in Joshi uh, part of the show, which is always important, Um, especially these next couple weeks, uh, next couple months. There's a lot great things going on in the world of Joshi. So make sure to check that out now. Other than that, this has been long enough for Trent. I'm Scott. And this was the five star Joshi show stardom guide 2023. So long.